Okay, so this is Tarek and Erica here. And today we're gonna to be talking about our presentations in Dr. Frana's class. So I think Erica is gonna start us off. All right. Um, so Tarek, you talked about in your presentation um, about creativity and history. Um, so I'm curious, um, do you think that being creative is an important quality in the field of history? And what are some of the most valuable character traits to have in the field? Yeah, thank you. So I think being creative is immensely important. Um, in my presentation, I talked about how there's no correct history really. So pretty much the entire field, everything that's happened in 2000 years of human history and beyond is left up to the creative interpretation of different historical minds. Um, so for valuable character traits, I think being inquisitive, being a good writer and being really collaborative. Cause I think there's lots you can learn from other historians. Um, when two historians get together, they can kind of bounce ideas off of each other. And that's really important. Awesome. And do you think that there is a line with being creative in history? Um, so can too much creativity actually decrease the value or validity of history? It can if the creativity gets in the way or distorts the historical narrative. So there's a line between writing interesting history and writing good history. Um, embellishing a story with things that aren't true so that more people read it or it's more interesting is not okay. But like I said in my presentation, if you're researching a saturated topic, lots of creativity is necessary in order to really substantially add to the field. Um, similarly, it takes creativity to come up with a current topic to research. So like today, uh, February 24th, Russia invaded Ukraine. If a good historian wanted to eventually write about this event and they knew that they wanted to research this, then they should really be documenting every tweet, news article, and journal that releases today. And then they can creatively weave them together to create their narrative. Okay. Um, so you also mentioned the term historiography, which you defined as how historians think about history. Um, and that reminds me of the concept of problem finding, which I talked about in my presentation. Um, do you think that these two concepts are related and how does problem solving fit into history? Yeah, um, I think of course it does. I think uh, historiography is in essence problem finding. Um, so you find the hole in the history where not enough historians have covered a topic and you try and uh, fill that hole, or you find a missing primary source that would add really substantially to the field, or you go search for a problem where there is no problem, and that could be something that you pour your life into for the next five years. Um, I think historians are in essence problem solvers, but I think that we are reaching a point where newer historians are, in, are entering saturated topics and they have to become problem finders and comp completed research in order to add something substantive to the field. All right, Erica, so now I'm gonna ask you some questions. Uh, so you said in your speech that a lot of times the creativity shows up when redefining the problem because we can come up with a new way to think about or approach the problem. Did you find any examples or ways of approaching problems in a different way during your research? Yeah, so I'll actually give a personal example of that um, because I have one. Um, so say you work 
at a soundboard at your church and the whole system is making this loud popping sound every week and you don't know what's causing the sound um it's a sound system so there's a million areas in the system that could be affected there's so many different possibilities that could be causing the sound each week um and so you have to think about the different possibilities um, that are causing the problem um and this is going to involve a lot of reapproaching the problem um so you might think through one cause and determine that that doesn't make sense for what is causing the the sound and so you're going to have to go back and reapproach the problem and think about it in a different way um and so i think that's a good example because there's just so many different possibilities that that you just really have to think about it in different ways each time yeah, I think that's that's really interesting. I wanted to kind of ask you about uh, your major. So what are some ways that you have experienced problem solving within your major? And have you found that different professors or activities kind of cultivate creativity better than other ones? Yeah, um, so there's definitely room for problem solving within my major. Um, my major being um, communication sciences and disorders, which is like speech therapy, basically. Um, so one big area is within diagnostic testing, um, which we use to determine whether a client has a communication disorder or not. Um, and so although there are specific procedures and criteria for this testing, um, we always have to figure out which tests would be best to use. Um, we also have to figure out what would be the best way to treat a client, um, which involves a lot of um, problem solving in that. And so one example, I think, of problem solving that we might use is um, on doing intelligibility tests on clients, which is basically just having your client say a bunch of words and um, writing it down, transcribing it. And every time that you don't know what word they're saying, that's basically like minus one point. This is a very uh -huh. like rough way of describing it but um so that's an intelligibility count and so you might have a client who just doesn't talk very much at all and so in order to get that data it would take maybe hours because they say like one word every few minutes you know and you need a certain number of words and so you that's a problem and um one way that we might solve it is by using what we call an opportunity count which um, would be counting every time we give them the opportunity to speak, um, whether or not they get that right or wrong. And so that's just one way that we might figure out a different way to approach a situation. Wow, yeah, that's, that's definitely a great way to problem solve in that situation. Um, one more thing I wanted to ask you about that I thought was really fascinating is that you said in your presentation that we lose creativity as we age. Um, what does that look like? How can I how can I stop myself from losing creativity as I get older? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so this kind of brings into um, the topic of nature versus nurture. Um, and so there's definitely that decline in our brain activity as we age. Um, and so there's going to be a decrease in areas of our brain that might um, cause us to be creative, but we also, as we age, don't look for as many ways to be creative as we did as children or when we were younger. Um, 
Um, we get very stuck in our routines and in what's familiar to us. And that really causes a lot of the loss of creativity that we see. And so um, the best way to go about kind of disrupting um, those routines is just doing different activities that are new to us. And that's gonna help you to recover some of that creativity. Awesome. Um, well, this has been Tarek and Erica in our creativity podcast. Uh, thank you for listening.